in today's episode we have the beautiful brooklyn joining us i think she's she's by coastal guys so she is based yes. in atlanta but she grew up was it la la germany and croatia i love it brooklyn tell me about you oh my gosh <laughs> i'm a long story partly why i'm writing that i have a three book deal because it's a long story so yeah i'm i'm brooklyn i was born uh tamava brooklyn um originally Whiterman and then Burgess and then Gordon and then all these different last names. I've had a few different last names. Um, not not aliases. I didn't have marriages and things like that. But um, but anyway, so uh, I didn't meet my real father till I was twelve, and turned out he was a huge producer and a big deal in LA, and I had no clue. So I had been living two lives. Then I started living two lives. So I, my mom was in the military, and they were never married. And then I was in LA in the summers, like living this crazy rock life. And I would go back to army brat life and no one had any idea, no one had any clue until later, like in my twenties, a couple of my high school friends, I like surprised with like Leonardo DiCaprio in the back of a limo, limo when I picked him up at the airport. And they were like, what? And I was like, this is what I've been hiding for 20 years, 12 years, whatever. Yeah, so it's been an interesting life. It's literally, I live double lives. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing I don't have um, mental illness because that would have been really stressful. But yeah, it, um, it has helped me. It's helped not only shape, everything shapes us, but it's helped me understand, one, that fame is an illusion. Big, big, big thing. Big thing about my book, fame is an illusion. And it's, it's helped me understand that we're all human and we've all been through things. And I get so frustrated when people think someone's more important because of what they've done. I understand fulfillment and success and wanting to have things. Well, yeah, dude, we all want that. And there is room at the table for everyone. But there isn't if people are going to be greedy and they're not going to share. And they're not going to give, okay, your time, like, there's different acts in life, you know? Like, I'm hoping this is my second act. You know, I I had, like, a good seven years that I've been, you know, for healing, um, I had a drug addiction off and on for 12 years, but I've been fully clean for almost eight years. So, and my daughter had cancer. So, I mean, you can't count that. Then the pandemic, but still, it was it was uh, seven years I wasn't used to. It was, I mean, well, after my daughter was healed, you know, it was, it was boring. <laughs> I'm not made for the mundane life. Tell me about the addiction. So you overcame the addiction. How did that come about? Was it like, did you fall into depression? Was it just everything was coming at you? Or was it more like, let's try it, it's just a little bit of fun? Or how did it all begin for you? Okay, so that is a good question because it's a, a little bit of all of those. And it's also, I was dating an older rock star and I got pregnant, I was a teen mom. And I was also dancing on Limp Biscuit tours. So I would have to leave my baby and go. And that was rough. Well- who but, was looking after the baby? Who was looking after the baby? Or could you have her with you while you were At that point, the paternal side. And so it did start as dabbling. Um, I didn't like uppers or anything like that. So I remembered that I liked the feeling of the pills they give you after you have a baby. And so that's what I went for. And so is opiates pretty much the whole time. I mean, I, I mean, I would have a cocktail here and there of different things, but mostly it was opiates. I, you know, I did, you know, the, the man that I was dating for a long time used uh, the clear crystal, you know, I don't know, a lot of musicians at the time. I went through a phase of that, but hated it. And I think I was just doing it because I was so young and just wanting to fit in or stay up at the mm-hmm. studio. I was working at Lethal Dose Studio by the time I was 20 years old. And I worked there off and on until I was 24 in between tours. 
So I saw Korn's albums being made. I saw so many amazing things. And my so dad, what did you just say? Porn albums? Porn, yeah. I worked at Lethal Dose Studio. I managed it for him. And so that's when they were recording Corn, Limp Biscuit, all that. And so and when you um, say when you say as in like, are we like like doing it visually and recording it or how I saw the whole thing happen. Yeah, I saw everything happen. Like it, I was in the studio taking phone calls, booking things. Cause even when he wasn't doing the super famous albums, um, he was booking talent to just do demos for extra money. So that's what that's what I would do is answer phones, kick groupies out that were annoying. Uh, <laughs> I was really good at that. I was the girl that'd be like, get the F out. <laughs> so um, that was part of my job description is kicking groupies out. It was a hard location to find. And I actually be followed sometimes because when people found out where I worked, because it was like, it was often this like, you know, like it looked like a warehouse. It didn't even look like a studio, but it was off Hollywood Boulevard in Cahuenga and it's not there anymore. So I can say it. But it was behind Capitol Records. And and um, yeah, people followed me and found out where it was. And it was crazy. And so, yeah, I had to like get rid of them. But so, uh, it was an interesting job. It was, it, I've always loved being in the studio. My dad, that's what he did aside from, from running all the Guitar Center's public relations. But he also produced and owned studios across Hollywood, Apex, okay. uh, Sir. Just, so I've always been in studios. That's just, that was... I didn't know that was my love until I met my dad and I immediately knew music was what I loved and wanted to be a part of. So I do music PR for Nappy Roots and uh, I've done some stuff for Kanye. I've done stuff for a lot of people, but I want to get back into it full time. So I love it. I love it. So we started with the dabbling first. When did you know it was now an addiction? Oh, when oh. It was addiction. Oh, girl, I was in denial. I don't know how that happened. It's funny, stupid. When did I know it was an addict? Well, after everybody else. <laughs> I was in complete denial. So the first time I went to treatment, uh, I actually had a role in the movie um, Hustle and Flow. I had the main role that Cameron Manning had. And at the time, I was the only white girl on the the uh, the crew, the, the cast. And Terrence Williams is really hard to work with. And uh, I mean, this is a story everybody knows in my book and, you know, even some yelling ones, but it's true. <laughs> uh, he basically hit on me and I rejected him. And the next day, how my purse was just open and, and strewn across the makeup trailer floor and drugs that were definitely not mine were in there. I wasn't even using yet. So that was probably another thing that, so it was all of a sudden that happened and it wasn't even my fault. And then, so they said they'll send me to rehab and then I'll keep my role. 17 days in, Terrence called and said, they gave me your role, what is going on? And mm -hmm. I, so I left that night. And that's pro that's really when the addiction took hold. Okay. So that I did, and that was in 2001. And okay. then, right, so in 2001. And because I wasn't using, I just had a baby three months earlier. Mm. <laughs> so my second child. So I had a little girl. So my second child I had in 2001. I was pregnant during the Roland video with Fred Durst. I was pregnant in that video. I was seven months pregnant on the top of the freaking World Trade Centers a week before they, they were... Uh, a week before the whole thing happened, September 11th. Isn't that crazy? It was like, we didn't even know history was being like made. <laughs> but yeah, so so 2005 is when my dad said, you are going to treatment. Now, my dad is recovered at this point, I want to say 49 years. We sort of lost count after like his 38th sober birthday. <laughs> now he's like, I don't know. It doesn't even matter anymore. So, so he could clearly tell when, when you were... Yeah. Not sober he when you wasn't addiction. when you was acting different because he had already gone through it. He had already he, been clean. He had the same addiction and he tried to be patient with me and 
realized the life that he had kind of carried me around in and allowed me to date a much older man, like 17 years older. Um, what did you learn he, from that? What did you learn from dating a much older guy? Well, I, 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 uh, I kept doing, I mean, I've always dated older men. And oh. I think that, I think that's part of the fact that I was raped when I was 10 by, I, by an older man close to the family. So, well, I mean, I, in the family, I just don't want to talk. Like, I'm not saying names because I'm not trying to hurt anybody. He did what, uh, he went and got help. And because my mom didn't help me and she chose to take his side basically and for the family name. And that happens a lot when, because people think it only happens in a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. And my family was very wealthy on both sides, real estate, one side and music on the other. Now, both. It was just new money. Yeah. So they were poor. They came from poor, you know. So my mom grew up with money and then my dad made his money. Okay. So it. it was it was all it was all new money, but it was still like we can't ruin the family name. And Brooklyn, Brooklyn, what would you say to any girl that's going through this right now, similar situation, that's not telling anyone, that's hurting, that doesn't know what to go to? What tips could you give them? Would you tell them to go look for help outside of the community? Would you tell them to just, what, what, what could we say to that young girl that's listening, that is stuck, is not being believed, is not being supported? That what is the worst one, not being believed. Yeah, and that's the fear. And that's why I just told Rob this on text. I said, if I have to be the one, finally, after all these years, I've been asked to write a book for years just because of the exciting stuff. But when they found out, like, this, this story, yeah. and I got trauma healing at Willow House, and Dr. Phil's a family friend, and he was like, you need real healing. Like, you know, and I was like, no, I'm already sober two years. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm fine. And he was like, no, you're, you're going to relapse again. You got to get this out. And he, he knew what it was just by certain, like, like the way I acted or like, he just could tell, I mean, he's good at his job. <laughs> but what, what, what was his role? Was he in the, like, went in the- Friends with my dad and then just, we knew we needed help because my dad was afraid I would relapse. So, what was so. his role? Was he a doctor, psychologist? Dr. Or was Phil, he... he has a big, big TV show. He, he, oh, Dr. Phil, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, even though he pissed me off, uh, at first, he saved my life because I've never relapsed again. So I, uh, yes, you need to get help and get healing. But first of all, you are not alone. This, like I was saying before, this is not in certain demographics. This happens in glass houses. This is happening in your neighborhood. I have spoken all over the world, mainly the USA, but I have gone overseas a few times. And high schools, churches, mainly conference rooms, talking to teachers, other psychologists, child advocacy. I've done a lot of things like that to try and teach people because there's so many psychologists that work at child advocacy. And, and I've had, and, you know, when I started working with child advocacy and being a victim myself, well, a survivor, but knowing what it was to be the victim still, you cannot be rough with these, with these kids. Like, you know, depending on ages, they should draw what they felt or what they saw. You can't grill them. It's, it's, a, it's a really disgusting feeling immediately. We immediately feel different. We immediately feel like everybody knows. We immediately, I, mean, I, I remember going back to school I, so it happened in August. I went back to school that September and I turned 11. And I remember a friend in math class in sixth grade and Reginald, I'll never forget. He said, why are you so different? You're quiet. I had been voted most social in fifth grade. And then I came back in sixth grade and I was just like, and I was always looking around thinking everybody knew I was different. Did, did you know, because at 10, did you know what had happened? Like, did you understand that it was right? 
Well, I have not the word um, yet, but because my sisters and brothers are so much older, like we're talking mm. 14 years, 11 years, you know, okay. seven years, okay. a lot older, I had seen movies. And so I um, actually did the, uh, I did <laughs> the thing that you do in movies when you like go sit in the shower and rock. Um, I literally mm. I saw in a movie. And then when I pulled back the covers and saw what you would see, which would be blood, I was terrified. My mom had said, it's not as bad as it seems, I'll be right back. And she never came back. And the next morning he was gone and my cousins were eating breakfast. And I remember I was so hungry and I wanted to go get breakfast, but I was just like, she told me not to leave. And finally I walked out and she literally said to me, eggs? Never asked if I was okay. Never once. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that. So I, I know, I understand. And it still upsets me because I know there's so many out there that feel alone. I understand that. I feel, um, like, I feel, I feel like you're going to make me cry. Brooklyn, I mean, how how can we, because say from such a young age, like well, that, that innocence well, now is we have Google. Now we have Google. We have RAIN, which is all, you can put on your website, R-A-I-N-N, which I'm one of the people, like my phone is like 24 hours. Um, we have so many places to go now to talk mm -hmm. to someone. And sometimes it doesn't even matter if you're talking to a stranger on the phone to just get it out because they're going to believe you. Or if you go down to child advocacy to pay if you're under 18 and, and you do it yourself and they press charges and F your family. If it happened to you, it is your story. It is your truth. And the only way we are going to stop this, and this includes trafficking and all of these things. This is this is this is a big scope. Okay, it's like when we get you know you start from home, like a home business, right? And you you build out, right? It's like you start everything from from the inside, and then you you work your way out, and everything. It's it's got to start. You know, I know, like, I have a lot of celebrity friends that are like, okay, I'm, I'm working on trafficking and I'm working on this and that. And I'm like, wait, the root is happening in the homes. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's where it's happening. These girls are being sold to go to a home and be raped at seven years old. These girls are, so we've got to get to the, like, the root of it and mm -hmm. make it public and talk about it and not be afraid. This needs to be a part of the UN. Like, I know we're feeding the children and that needs to happen and clean water and my, my husband and I have been in Africa and done all sorts of stuff for AIDS orphanages. He played uh, with Dikembe Mutombo, who has a number of schools and different things in, in the Congo and in Kenya now, I believe. And so we've done so much for the community and, and, and other communities. And, you know, basically, I finally agreed to this book. And then they wanted a three book deal because I wrote a screenplay and started filming it. And then found I was pregnant <laughs> in 2009. And so my second book is called Hardware, This City's Hard to Wear. And so that's going to be more about Hollywood. Now there is some Hollywood stuff in the first book, obviously, because it's a, it was a huge part of my life. But, but yeah, so most of us in Hollywood have been through some trauma. Okay. There's a, you know, and, and whether it's trauma like mine or not just sexual, but like something that happened to you, whether it's car accident, losing your parents young, domestic violence, whatever. There's so many of us like that, you know, uh, like my dad, you know, coming from a poor family and kind of, I wouldn't call my grandfather abusive, uh, but just rough, like old fashioned. Right. Yeah. So he just sort of ran away. And so you know, we're, we were second generation LA, I guess you'd say. So, but a lot of people move there and it's just like, there's friends giving is what Los Angeles is. 
not everybody's family is out there. You know what I mean? So we have a really great community, whether it's, um, they have the best AA, which you, you can talk about other things there. And, and it's an amazing community, but I, I, that's the most important thing is find the community. And when I was 10, I mean, up till I was 18, there was no internet. There was no, I mean, we, we just started getting email, I think when I was like 17, but there was no way for me to find yeah. help. There was no hotlines. There was nothing, nothing. Um, all you could do is go to the police station or call the police, which nobody did for me. And when I had my first daughter, my first child affected me, but my first daughter, my first child was more like, you're a boy, you will never hurt a woman. Like, you know, it was more yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you won't be that way, you know? When my first daughter was born, I actually went into a postpartum depression because I realized, how can I love something so much? Did my mom not love me? How, like if anybody hurt this child, yeah. they would be accidentally run over. Mm. And if they're on my property, I mean, sorry if my gun goes off. I mean, I'm not going to kill you because I want you to sit in jail for the rest of your life and get beat up by the men in there and raped by the guys in there. Trust me. <laughs> they don't like, they don't like child predators. And, and I've, I've actually spoken in prisons because a lot, I, I will say 90% of women that are in jail are either because of men or because of sexual abuse, domestic violence, hands down, but they get caught with drugs or something like that. But it starts off with the trauma, mm -hmm. right? So I, yeah, I wouldn't kill anybody, but I would definitely, they wouldn't, they wouldn't look the same leaving my house <laughs> if I thought it. And my mom walked in on it. So it, it really, that's what makes it so bad is she walked in on it. And I'm like, you saw him fumbling to, you know, it was bad. So all I can gather. Did, did you confront her later on when you was an adult? Yes. yes. For two years, we went to therapy and uh, she finally, you know, admitted it in those you know rooms. And, you know, like I even had to sign a paper that I wouldn't talk about it. So I didn't talk about it again. After 14, my mom started giving me volume and just shutting me up. So I guess really that's my addiction. So well, actually I've never really been addicted to Valiums because I don't like too much down and too much up. Um, but whenever- What did I you just say, Valium? Valium, I would have panic attacks. And so my mom, my mom would give me her Valium. What's, what's that, Valium? Uh, it's, it's a benzo. It's for anxiety. Oh, okay, okay, okay. running off the shelves now. Um, being a psychologist, like I refer people and uh, it's like running off the shelves because the pandemic gave so many yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, it's not a medication I think is as bad if you need it. I never got addicted to it, but my, but it's not right for my mom to have been giving it to me at 13 yeah, yeah. Um, and 14 to just shut me up basically. And she had a lot of child support from my biological father, who's different from my siblings. And um, I didn't know any of this. I, I remember we would go to like Cannes and every other summer and or Spain, one or the other and stay at the same resort. And I could never figure out how I could always afford all this stuff. You know, yeah. I was always like, you're working for the government. Even by the time I was like nine, I kind of knew like you're working for the government. How are we doing this? You know? And it wasn't until my brother was like, you have a different dad. Like you, you have a different life. He had gotten in touch with it, moved to Riverside, California. And my dad just basically took him under his wing and, you know, sent him to school. And like, he's just been amazing to my siblings. Wow. My mom had kids to basically get the life that I was really lucky to have. I've had good men in my life that have always wanted to take care of me. Now I'm very independent. And my dad has always wanted to take care of me. But independence is super important to me. But I still have always have had someone that would want to take care of me. And mm. so my mom has been really resentful at that. 
but I kind of like, well, maybe if you weren't so hateful and resentful. So all I can come up with, and this is actually Phil, who thinks I shouldn't be close to her because she makes me go bumpers, but she was probably abused as well. I was not the first. I was not the first. And by the time I was in my 20s, one of my older family members, who was his child, came to me and you know said, you're having addiction problems. You're having the same issues I'm having. Did, did my dad do anything to you? <gasps> I'm crying. And then a treatment center I went to, he was sending me letters, which he'd always done. But this time a counselor caught it. And I always had like $100 in each letter. So mm-hmm. like, who needs in rehab? Like, a thousand dollars in there safe you know yeah and it was like and then one time he put sorry if it's the I'm the reason why this is your sixth rehab and so that's when I talked about it for the first time with a counselor and then they brought in what I am now a trauma psychologist where where was this was this in LA at the time uh, or Atlanta this is actually a place called House of Hope and um it's in uh oh my god House Um, of Hope House of Hope, it's in uh, Valdosta, I almost said Augusta. Um, House of Hope, it's in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, it's run by Sherrod Wagner. It's an amazing place. It is a year-long program. I graduated seven months one time, and then I went back for a year and two months another time. And that was the time I really stayed sober, right? But I was still having panic attacks and outbursts, and I still wasn't healed. And, how, and- Brooklyn, how can we, for someone that's going through this, through the trauma that hasn't healed, that's still, maybe they're like dabbling, maybe they're self-harming, maybe they have panic attacks, maybe. That, but it's, I can't, yeah, that's, I, I, that wasn't happening yet, I don't think. And I, I never knew any friends that did that, but I know it's huge now. Even one of my nieces has done it. What can um, we can what what can we tell them? Like how can we support them? Well, the most there are resources now, and you can call anonymously. You can talk to somebody, and you can you can talk to the same person. If you choose that person, you mm. can you can talk to that same person. And um, I don't know. I'm very open. So if they say, "Can I have your number?" Like you know, I, I give it because. You know, for slide the business phone and a personal phone. So I, I just, I give it. If they need to call me, they need to call me and they need to talk. And so I have a lot of girls that are healing. Some have taken my advice and gone to child advocacy and, and said, been strong enough, you know, 15, 14, 16 to say what happened to them and at least to be, it be investigated. And, you know, if they feel, and I, I've given them instruction, you know, if, so if you don't want to be taken away from your home, you yeah. just want that person taken away. Make sure that, you know, your mom doesn't know or something to keep you safe. If you feel that your mom does know, isn't it helping you? That's up to you. But, you know, if you don't want to be taken from your home, you just want him removed. And if you take drastic action like that and, you know, have, you know, been talking to someone and can show the police, look, I've been getting help. I've been talking to someone. People that would do these hotlines, most of us have gone through it or are professionals. There are different levels also. So if there's a harder case, they'll transfer them to me because I'm, you know, that's what I'm, you know, that's why I have my degree. But if you would have asked me if I was going to be a psychologist, I would never, I mean, I've always been interested in the human brain, but I've been people and I've always been like, empathic and, and been able to feel feelings which has been hard because the minute he picked me up off the couch and took me into a back room I felt it I knew something was about to happen to me before I knew mm-hmm. and 
I, I fell asleep on the couch uh, jet lagged because we had just come from Germany. And three, uh, three days before my mom was cuddling me on a plane and saying, she doesn't want these days to end. And you know, you're 10 and you know, your sisters, they changed after, you know, 12 and 13. And so, but you know what? She never cuddled me again. Never, never again. She didn't, what I wanted that night when I had tears matting my, you know, I was silently weeping and my hair was matted to my face. I remember turning over in a fetal position with my back to my mom. I already felt disgusted. I already was afraid, is it my fault? My mom and I wore my first bikini that day. I had all these things going through my head. Um, And I also wanna say, your abuser is not always mean. Mine was not. He said, this may hurt. Uh, One thing that still, if someone says to me, I get, (gasps) It's it's a yeah it's a it's a it's trigger. That's what he would say. He'd say Shh, when I would when I would run or something. I, I say it's my mom's IV. She didn't save me because it already happened. But it's my mom's IV um, or IVS whatever because I knew she, so I heard somebody fumbling in the bathroom next door and I knew it was my mom though she's an alcoholic and she's fumbling and but I knew it was her because she would be the only one that would come. It was a huge house that would come to that side of the house. Um, to use the bathroom. And I just knew it was my mom because that's the only one that would come this far because she didn't want anybody to know that she has stomach problems from drinking, basically. I mean, she won't admit that, but that's exactly what it's from. In her case, not everybody's, but hers was something that happened, you know, by the time in her early 40s. And so I finally just this line came out in me and I screamed and she busted through the door and just in time to see him fumbling off of me. It was very clear his pants were like half on, half on, you know, he, he was, I mean, it was so clear, you know, she knows exactly what happens, but she, was she drunk? Out. Was she drunk? Yeah. Yeah. She was, I mean, not super drunk, tipsy. but, but tipsy, tipsy for sure. Yeah. But, but that doesn't give my mom an excuse. She, she's always tipsy. She's always tipsy. My oldest daughter, you know, stayed with her for a few days and she's just like, wow, mommy, right. She's always tipsy. Yeah. So, but you know, I will give my mom this. She was a hard worker and she worked for the federal government, special ops, NATO. She spoke different languages. So many things that people don't even know because it was special ops. She worked in the building with no windows, right? And she was gone a lot. And so she saw genocide in Croatia, young and then older. And people don't know that the Bosnian Serb Croatian war, that went on for so many years. Like, and then there was at the same time in Romania, there was genocide. There was just so much that America and the rest of the world did not know was happening. And we did, cause that's our culture. So yeah. we knew. And so she joined when my dad finally was the last one, I guess that wouldn't stay for the baby. You know what I mean? He wanted me, but didn't want to marry her. She joined the, she joined the military and she started off, uh, she's very beautiful. And she started off because it was, I was little and it was the Berlin Wall. We moved up there when I was quite little. So the Berlin Wall was, it was soon. So anyway, she helped get the Berlin Wall down and I, she took me in a helicopter and I got to see that. So there's many things my mom did shape me in a good way. But the most important thing is I, it's, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I guarantee you, everybody you're looking at in magazines and on TV and all these things. You know, my second cousin's Angelina Jolie. All these people you're looking at. Have you look very time. familiar. You have features. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the eyes Our or the lips. Our sisters. Our grandmothers are sisters. Yeah. yeah. You, you mm-hmm. have some very big, sim- and uh-huh. I've been looking at you all this time and I'm like, who does she remind me of? Of course. Yeah. 
every time, every time, especially when we're like next to each other. Like, so if I win this uh, uh, Maxim cover, there she's gonna do the inlet. So when they open, we'll be next to each other. And we've always wanted that. I had actually gotten the role in Girl Interrupted. And um, I gave it to her because I, I chose dancing and my mom and I'm sorry, my children. <laughs> I wish my mom was around. I chose being a mom and um, dancing and music, knowing she wanted so bad to uh, please her father and her mother was, mm. was my, at that time, Aunt, Aunt Marceline, she was sick with cancer. So I wanted her to accomplish her dreams. That part was really good for me because <laughs> I had been playing two double lives, but, but yeah, I don't regret it. But so she, you know, we've, we, we, we've stayed close, but you know, lives just, just know that everybody you're looking at and thinking everything's perfect. It not always has been, and it probably is not right now. You know, I'm sure my cousin wouldn't be mad at me for saying she barely leaves her house because it's, I mean, it's miserable. People follow you that she can't get any private, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's always and something. So to a, to a certain extent, you don't feel safe. You, you, there's no peace. Like you can't sit down. You're always looking over your shoulder. Is someone taking a picture? Is someone here? Is something? We good. Brooklyn, tell me about finding your voice, self-love and self-worth. How big has this been on your journey? So finding my voice. I've always had, I've always had, so I've always advocated for somebody, but finally advocating for myself um, happened after Willow House, which would, which would be Dr. Phil, after finally hearing my dad. I don't wake up any morning since I, since text was around without my dad saying, you're beautiful, you are the best thing that ever happened to me, you're, you know, I'm his only child, and, you know, he never knew he wanted kids, you know, and then I came along, and, um, and I am my father's daughter, like, I am so much like him as far as we are, everything, like, and we, he started No Child Left Behind because of what happened to me, he believed me immediately, he, like, without a doubt, and then got senators and people involved. And there's, there's, you know, more than just him, there's people like partners and started No Child Left Behind. So that happened around, I think I was uh, 17 and I'd already had been pregnant and gone through all that. So, but I mean, it took time, but I think that started to make me feel heard. But then, you know, when I, you know, basically was bamboozled about my son because I thought I could still work for, Tours or people, okay, when I say I was a dancer for six years with Limp Bizkit, I was, but tours only last four weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you know what I mean? They're not like all year long, right? So in between I was working and I was able to be a normal mother, right? And what's great about the, the music industry and acting also is you can bring your children to work. <laughs> so that was my plan. And, and like I said, you can't compare traumas, right? I didn't even mean to give him that. I wanted him, I wanted, I, I, no matter how old I was, I nursed him for almost eight months. Who does that at 16? <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. I wow. I, I took it very seriously, you know? And I think a part of that is I wanted to break the generational curse. I didn't even know that was a word yet or, or a saying, but I knew I wanted to break the cycle of, you know, putting your kid in daycare at six weeks. Like, that's crazy to me. I, I just, you know, I know some have to, and I, and I, I know that. Yeah. I, and I'm so sorry because I know it's hard, but if you don't have to, you know, uh, though now being a psychologist and knowing those early years are so important, Cut a lot, hugs, cuddling, they are so important. And I did not get that. 
And if I got it from anyone, it was my older sister, Jenna. And she's a big part of my book because she didn't go to college till she was almost 23. She didn't want to leave me. Where is and Jenna so, now? Jenna, she's in Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh-huh. She runs a medical um, spa and she also has been in real estate. Uh, she's done a lot of things. She's like me. We have like, we should have stuck, stuck with one thing. Like I have a journalism degree, psychology degree, theater degree from Lee Strasberg. Yeah. I should, if I would have stuck with one thing, I would have a doctorate in something. <laughs> so she's like me. She's, she's now working on a law degree. And wow. she has um, business communication with minor in psychology. We both, we, we both went through neglect. She did not have the sexual abuse, but she had other abuse. There was okay. some physical abuse, things thrown at us, things like that. She would stand in the way so I wouldn't get hurt. She was like my protector. My brother tried to stay as long as he could, but he was the oldest and had like my mom got pregnant at 17 and just was always very resentful toward him. And it, I, you know, I didn't understand back then, but I, I knew he was treated different. We were all treated different, you know? I, um, Jenna got the, the most love in a way because that's the only dad that actually married my mom. Okay. And so they were together for uh, 10 years. And then I was born when she was 11. So uh, right away like she 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 was already cheating on on they were like separated I guess so they were legally married for 12 years together for I guess nine but that's the one that stuck around for as long as he could and for some that's years, a very long time well yeah as long as he could he tried and I remember mom being like he was so abusive he was so terrible and I'm like but you know what my dad is the kindest man in the world and he wouldn't marry you because he calls you devil woman and my dad never would do that unless you were like, if you like he, and that's before he knew what happened to me. Like back then he saw it in her. He just saw like greed, greed, yeah, greed, yeah, yeah. you know? And then my sister's dad was a, a school teacher and then a principal and then a professor at uh, university of Maryland. So, so, so that was, a, that, that was a decent line. You know what I mean? And that's what she wanted. And he did, he stuck around for as long as he could. And finally he just couldn't do it anymore. And, and of course we were told it was because he was cheating. He was abusive. And all these things, but my sister remembers my mom was the abusive one. He's like, he was the one that was, you know, getting in the way. And, you know, if you're a child and you're told over and over again, yeah, 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 hurting my mom, no, as my sister has gone to therapy herself, she realizes, no, he was getting in the way. So she wouldn't, one time she threw it with, she threw a, a, it was like a mason jar type thing. Well, like when you come home and you put your change, you know, so you can that's heavy. Yeah. So you can then go and like put the change and get money for Heavy. it. Yeah. So she threw it at me, my brother, and my sister. And I was probably five or six, but I remember it. And I remember it. And I've been told the age I was, but I remember it happening. Very vividly. Her. Yeah. And, and she had, they had gotten back together a few times. She tried to pass me as his and he knew I wasn't his. He was never mean to me. He was not mean to me, but he knew I wasn't his. Like, it was just like impossible. He was living with another woman at that point. And, you know, and, and my mom was, you know. The no timings, reason. the timings. Yeah. And my dad had been involved in tons of charities. So he had been to DC where they originally met. And then my mom went to LA off and on. And then, then I, I, I popped up. And even if your kid is, quote, an accident, don't ever say that. Say it was, an, it was a surprise or... You were, you were, you know, like my dad says, you weren't expected, but you were the best, you know, expectation. Like you're the best gift. Like my mom always said, you were an accident. Like, don't say that to your children. These words matter because I don't even know if she meant total malice by it. Mm. There have been times that 
she's been like, I can't live without you. You're, you know, you're my favorite. Then there's other times that I don't even know why she said that. It was maybe the alcohol. <laughs> but, you know, for instance, if this Maxim cover happens, and, and of course the books do well, oh, don't worry, she'll try to be my best friend. That's what she likes. She likes prestige. When I was married to an NBA player, rock star, oh, she was like right there trying to be backstage, trying to be in the front row with the court side. Oh yeah, I was like, like the, the, spot, row, the like, spotlight, the highlight, yeah. Yeah, right. Before I met Cal, I was living in a model apartment and I would just come to Atlanta to work for Click Models and then I would go back to LA. So if he, so if my agent would call and say, hey, we got a cover for you here. It's like Atlantean, Atlantean, Atlantonian magazine, which is like an Atlanta society magazine. And then I got the cover of Baby Years. And then I got the cover of Italian Vogue with two other girls. So it wasn't just me. I did a lot in my, my teens and, and 20s. So I was traveling to, to Europe. This is when Five Eight and a Half was still like, still modeling height. And at Calvin Klein, I did a lot of things. Um, for him you know he doesn't have just one you know there's there's the Kate Moss and the Brooke Shields and the Mark Wahlbergs but there's 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 other ones of us too <laughs> there's others that are just kind of smaller <laughs> but, I love um, it I love it Brooklyn tell me about learning to love trust and relationship tell me about you falling in love and just kind of learning how to trust learning to trust a male like for the first time you know I still struggle with that especially even with the so the NBA players were divorced but he's like I told you in the email he's still my best friend and he's always here it's like we just you know we could be roommates and perfectly fine like and he is still totally in love with me and never dated anybody else in fact anybody that I've been with for the longest and they're kind of like known to be bachelor rock stars or whatever have never remarried or been with anybody else seriously so even though I don't think I'm really the marrying type um somehow I guess they thought I was and I was good at it to a point but relationships are a hard thing for people that have been through trauma because of trust and because you want to share yourself and be open and you're afraid of what they will think uh Cal's reaction the first time I told him was just a stunned look on his face um I won't say his last name but Jay's reaction was I'm gonna fucking kill him uh, Danny's reaction was, I'm going to really fucking kill <laughs> Danny is a teardrop. <laughs> so mm. he's like, I'm, really, I'm really going to kill him, you know? Like, so he's been, you know, he was a gangster and stuff. Um, he was in, uh, House of Pain and we have uh, one child. So, yeah. So, but, so Cal's reaction was the reaction, even though he's the most supportive in every other way, his reaction was the most hurtful because I wanted a vigilante. I wanted someone to say what I, what I would say as a mother, if, if I knew about that, right. Yeah. Where is he? Where the hell is he? I'm going to knock him over and then call the cops. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like where, where the, you know, like, so, and that's what I got from other people, but, and some have kind of shied up been like, holy crap, like that's crazy. So you're going to get different reactions. Now, this is also before there were so many resources. So now you can, like I said, go to Rain, R-A-I-N-N, which is actually my daughter's middle name is Rain. So uh, it's, it's really important to me. And that's, and that's a, a resource that is amazing. There's so many hotlines and you can talk to people. And, um, and if you get it out, that helps tremendously. Like if you don't have insurance, it, it is therapy. It is therapy. And if you don't want to 
feel judged by your friends or things like that. This is someone who is not going to ever divulge any information. This is someone you can trust because they've either been through it or actually, I think pretty much all of us have been through it. And some of us are educated enough to actually take you on as a patient. So it's depending, but it's, or their child has been through it. You'll see that a lot. Like when my daughter had cancer, nurses, most of them had said, oh, I'm a nurse because my child had cancer 20 years ago. Oh, I'm a nurse because I had cancer when I was a kid. So, you know, it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, like I said, if I ever thought I was going to be a psychologist, if you told me that, I'd be like, I'm not. But then I realized if I'm really going to help people, like I, I, I just, I've, I've got to do the work. I've got to do the work, you know? And so that started my third degree <laughs> that I never thought I'd finish. That one took the longest. And because I was so, I started 2007 and that took the longest. It took uh, eight years, almost nine years. But I was already starting to um, help girls at child advocacy. Uh, House of Hope actually helped me with that. Um, I was speaking at a church and a woman who was at the church worked for Atlanta Child Advocacy. Oh. And my husband at the time, we were still married, was playing for the Atlanta Hawks. So that's why I graduated early at seven months instead of one year, because they were like, you need to go do this job. Like this is, you need. So I started speaking at high schools and, and that's when that happened. And that made me, I realized how fulfilled I was feeling and the healing that I was getting mm. and how many whispers in my ear from girls and boys. And I don't like to compare traumas, but I do want to say if there's any men out there, I I can tell you that sometimes I feel like that's even worse if, if, if you're sexually abused because it really confuses you because you have to remember it's chemistry. Men, it's chemistry, right? Women, it's, you know, it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like I felt anything, right? It goes, you know, but men, chemistry, it's like they can't help it, right? So uh, there's a lot of confusion in who they are. And there's a confusion of who all we are when we've been through trauma, obviously. But so I will say that some, I have a few male clients and uh, working with them has been very eye-opening and very just humbling. And it's given me a whole new outlook on, you know, the hurt that's out there and, you know, men having to be macho and be, yeah, be the providers yeah, yeah. and they're not yeah. healed. And how can you, can, you know, continue to be the provider if you're not healed and you're going to the bar every night, but you really want to be with your kids and your family, but you're just, you're so stuck up here. You know, and yeah, so um, there's so many hurting and from so many things, exactly, you know, exactly. Um, Brooklyn, so how can the Nora's box? I, I love it. I love, I love that you touched on this point because it's so, so important. How can we, because there's, there's so many men that have gone through this, but they stay very quiet because of this persona and society and Absolutely. they have to be the protector. They have to be strong. How can we protect how can we, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but how exactly. can we? Because I'm still working on trying to figure that out myself because, you know, two of my clients are afraid to tell their wives and one's been married like two years, one's been married like, you know, 15 or something like one time. And they've hardly told anybody, you know, and heard, uh, I mean, these are recent clients. They heard that I spoke somewhere or one heard my podcast. Yeah. I did. Oh my gosh, I'm blacking out his name, but it was recent. He was also English and it was an awesome podcast. And I, I saw also, it. I saw it. I saw that I, one. Yes, I love him. And I have a cut. He has Asperger's, which I find to be the most amazing, amazing gift. I think it's a gift. My cousin has it. And he is now half owner of most Microsofts across, across like, yeah, it's amazing. So, and so I kind of gave him some healing because he was like, you know, I have 
you know, an element of strength. They don't know how, it's that, that's the freaking gift. Are you kidding? That's like a superpower. Like, because with that, you are able to zone in and know exactly what you're good at. And I have a nephew who has it and he got on a motocross, uh, a m- motocross and a skateboard at the age of three. Wow. And by seven, by seven, he was on TV as the top one in Northern and Southern California, the top in his class, like his group. And he was already going against 12 year olds. Like I'm telling you, it is a gift. So you've got to start thinking about these things. Even autism to me, I love, I have, I have, there's, I have one a cousin with autism. I, I think it's, I think it's a gift. You know, if you, when, if you can help them find the things, especially now with electronics, they really like electronics. Um, and, and they're so smart, you know, and fearless and, um, and yeah, I just, I, there's so many things out there that have these taboos when really they're gifts and um, we need to um, embrace them. And we also need to embrace trauma. And I think if we just like, yeah, I know they say tough love with addicts and all this stuff, but- Does that even um, work? Tough love with addicts? Tough love with addicts. Like, Do you think that you know, works like, from, from a psychological perspective? Uh, no, I don't believe in it. I think you need to do the opposite. Neither I do I. I, 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 I feel like that pushes them- yeah, I, don't I feel like that pushes. Yeah, I feel like that pushes that. I'm not saying give them money and like you know keep them high, but I I don't believe you should just like like my mom did just shut not answer the phone. Like no, like my dad talked to me all the time when I was sick. He just wouldn't give me my you know my monthly you know <laughs> trust fund. <laughs> but you know I didn't use. But you know what? I'd be used to that. And when I went to Willow House, one of the things Dr. Phil told my dad was no more trust funds until she does something that fulfills her because this this is this is something that's keeping her from, from writing a book. And from her gift. Him and Oprah were the first two people, besides like people that had run into, that you got to write a book about your life, blah, blah. These were the two people that were like, and I have, I have partnerships in my Instagram. Uh, they were like, you've got to write a book. And Oprah had my show, which I thought was a shit show, to be honest. I was on a show about it, but my mom always has to be the spotlight. And at the last minute emailed and said, there's secrets about her you don't know, which wasn't true. And which really angered him because after the show, he was like, you didn't even talk. You didn't say any, like, she she just made me cry. She just, she made sure I didn't talk. She made sure she was afraid I was going to spill the beans. And I wasn't, I was going to bring up those things but I wasn't ready to direct like it toward I wasn't like I'm not even in my book it is it's a him it's okay well I'm not there's a him who's the my my oldest baby daddy's much older but there's the you know my abuser I don't I don't use the name the names in my books that have been fact checked and approved are of course like Fred Durst and you know like people like that that I worked with Lethal Joe's, Danny Boy's fine with his name. I mean, he's cool with that. Cal, you know, so there, Angie's fine with that. There's certain people that are that are totally fine with it, but there's some that, some of is not fine with it. It's just that it's connecting the dots. Uh, there, you know, it, it could make him look really bad. It was 15, he was 32. So it was, it was not looked totally bad upon in Hollywood. One, I didn't look my age. I didn't act my age. So we just never really talked about it. So uh, he knew my age, but you know, the rest of the world assumed I was like 19 or something. And so we just let them assume that. But either way, it didn't matter because I was emancipated from my mom and my dad was supportive. Uh, my dad said, I want no more trauma in your life. 
So whatever, if, if that means we're, we're having this baby, we're having this baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I don't know if you have children, um, but you don't, you don't show your first and second, you know, even my third, I did a maxim, just a small up and coming Hollywood, uh, you know, actress, da, 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 just a small thing in 2009, I was four months pregnant and it's actually one of the pictures. So I know I've been in it before, but it's not the same. This is like, the cover would be a second act. And as my agent said um, last night, when I went down fourth and she got a bunch of people to vote, she said, nobody puts baby in the corner. We need real estate in every bookstore. <laughs> we need real estate. So if I'm signing the magazine or my book, I can say one's over here and one's over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love so, it. Um, yeah. And also, yeah, a story, you know, a story. This is not just, you know, I see, I know some people just want to be on a cover of a magazine and it, it's just fleeting. It doesn't change your life forever. I, I've been on three and okay. I got recognized and it was like exciting. And I did some autographs at Barnes and Noble. This was in 2001 and you know, it was whatever, but it goes away just like everything. It goes away. So for me, going into it, knowing that it's more about the platform, the opportunity, and the fact that I'm already going to be in the bookstores, and it, it would be so great that my story, the small, the the the, the, the amount of it that might that's going to help people, will be in maximum. And then also, there's a book like, hey, the rest of it's here. And like I was just telling my friend Rob, if I have to, <laughs> why my hair is barely brushed, if I have to be the one, just come out and say the word rape. I mean then I guess it's me because I've been sitting here like w- waiting for someone to finally do it. And they that, still haven't done it. Yeah, they still yeah, know. Yeah. I know, it's I know. 22. I know. It's a long and nobody's time. done it. Nobody has come out and said, I was raped. You know how many dateline stories I see of a, you know, a, a daughter having a, a father's child or an uncle's child or a stepdad's child? But no one says um, it. No one comes out into the light. Yeah, I do want to be clear. It was not my stepdad or anything like that. Um, it was someone in the family, but it was not in my my home. It was at a larger family party, um, but it was not something that happened regularly. Another reason why I didn't talk about it, because when I started going into treatments, girls would compare or trauma but it happened to me every day or every night or just it only happened to me once but it still hurts and I would just sit there and want to scream like it's pain I mean the moment my uncle picked me up I felt it I felt why would he be picking me up to take me into a back room that wasn't even the room I was sleeping in yeah yeah I mean I was sleeping in my cousin's room and he didn't want to take me across the house through the kitchen, like where the pool party oh, where was. Everyone was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so then when he started to pull my bathing suit, like I started kicking and that's when he said, Shh. and to this day, I hate that. And, but again, not all um, uh, abusers are going to be like mean. Um, you know, he used to call me Peach, but still like that. In fact, uh, I hadn't seen him in 20 something years. And my daughter, Lily, when she was three, we walked into my aunt Donna's house, my mom's twin sister, who I, who I'd stayed in touch with. And, um, he happened to walk in and she was like, you have to go, you have to go. And I was like, what's going on? And I was holding, and Lily ran, I was holding her and she ran because I heard his voice and she like, let go. I was like, get on, let's go. And he said, Hey, little Peach. I busted out of that kitchen and I said, don't you dare. I don't care if the limitations, the statute of limitations are up. <laughs> I am not done with you. I am not done with you. Don't ever say that again. And, you know, so when my grandmother died two years ago, 
was really cool. Limp Biscuit, uh, well, Fred, uh, sent a video and like a, uh, a, a show that we did in Fort Lauderdale, Florida that my grandmother went to. And my grandmother was Rebecca. So she was like all, she said, she got it for me. She got it for me. When she passed, she left me the most inheritance. And uh, so tell your story. I never knew she- Did you say that? Yeah. Did I never knew she knew the whole time. Where did she say that? Like, did she say that in- when 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 I got the most money and, and that was that was in the envelope? And um, unfortunately, my mother is nasty and it was two checks. I think she knew my mother was going to steal one because I was at because you go to the lawyer's office if your name is named. Yeah. And it was two checks. And I, my, I, I saw one and my mom grabbed the envelope and she came in here and she said, if you write this book, you won't get this. And it was one hundred fifty thousand. And I said, take it. I'm writing this book, even if I only make 10,000, 5,000, 1,000, <laughs> take it, take it. And she was like, fine. So she was trying to like buy me off again. And, 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 and your grand and your grandma wrote this in, in, the, in like, yes. so that's another thing. I know for a fact that my grandparents did not raise him to be that way. My grandfather was an amazing man. In fact, uh, he got the silver star in World War II and never told my grandmother. He said he was going on a business trip. And the president gives him the silver star, Eisenhower. And 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 I think it was Eisenhower and Roosevelt were there. And Eisenhower was one of its commanders because he just rose up real quick and, and he was so good at his job. Immediately he was just good at saving people. He would go back into the zone and, and pick people up. And and then when he died and she went through his stuff, she saw it. And she was like, she first she goes, Am I mad that he didn't take me to meet the president? Or am I proud that I had the most humble, kind husband? Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah. So you also, I do believe that there's some that it's learned behaviors because it happened to them. Yeah. But I've never had any, you know, like, I, I think it's, I actually, I don't even totally believe that, to be honest with you, um, because you have to have it in you to do things. I was just talking to my daughter about this last night. And people blame, we were watching a Dateline show. We love Dateline. And they blame, well, I was high. That's why I killed my wife. Or I was like, whatever. And I was yeah, like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. I've been high as all get out and never had any intention of hurting anybody. Okay. If I would do crafts or something, like it, it has to be in you. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. When I was high, I wrote more. It, it brings out what's in you. So I would write like tons. It like, enhances it. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I love that. Yeah, I was more cuddly. I was, you know, I it, it it helped me sort of be what more lovable. I, I've always been loving and caring, and and my love language is um, service. I like to to help people and also giving. Mm -hmm. So my sister was like, if we win this uh, contest, you can't give all your money away. <laughs> Because I, I I do and and I and I will give some way you know I I can't help it um I just you can always make more as as my friend Pep says um but yeah so Brooklyn judging yeah. judging from your background from your experience from your wisdom say if we are with someone like in a relationship and they have been uh sexually abused and yeah. say for example we talk about something in intimacy and we accidentally trigger them that can happen how can we support them like I'm only saying this because um I was with someone and suddenly I'm I kind of said something and they did not like it and like I'm talking about they started screaming and punching walls and I'm talking about okay. like a big grown man like so that's, yeah that's someone who hasn't had any healing at all because that that was where I was at like 16 so um well probably 14 because at 16 I was pregnant and like had to like grow up that's a tough one because you know for me 
I think the things that I want to hear, wanted to hear, I believe you. I want to understand. There's no shame. Things happen to us. You know, we don't cause everything that happens to us, right? And that's something that I had to be told, like, you know, the first counselor that really caught it, she was like, that happened to you. You didn't do that. You didn't earn that. That's not, you know, I, the devil's work was obviously involved, but it's not like God is like, okay, in her life, these are the things that are going to happen. Now, I know that, you know, the universe knows how your life's going to pan out. But, you know, like I tell my survivors, uh, you are strong. And so, you know, sometimes I say, when are you going to catch a break? And, uh, you know, one of my exes said, you don't catch a break because you're strong as that. You're, you're strong AF. That's why you don't catch a break. And so that's why I tell my, my survivors, my clients, like, you know, if you feel like you can't catch a break, you just, it's because you're strong. And the best thing to do is help other people talk. Don't be afraid. These hotlines are great because they open the door to communication. And then they, they help you, uh, we help our clients, and then it'll help you to learn how to speak about it or, or get more comfortable to talk about it. So in the situation you were in, I think the most important thing is in, you know, whatever is happening or whatever I did, I, I, I would like to know because I anything that you've gone through in your life, I of course would believe you and I'd be there for you. Nothing, I mean, nothing has happened under the sun that hasn't yeah. happened. Before. Right? Exactly. So encouraging, um, being kind, not like freaking out and saying, you know, like, stop, 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 because that gives them more shame mm -hmm. and more trauma because then they're going to feel bad about it because they really don't want to do that. They don't want to act like that. They're just hurting. Right. There's I mean, I, I think there's some evil people out there, but I think for the most part, there's a lot of hurting people and they don't know how to uh, let it that. out process it right. or right so I, I yeah I would say just be stay calm and you know like don't try and like stop them and you know, get try, the, try get, and work through it Brooklyn right. tell me about the Maxim concerts tell me how we can support you tell me how we can connect with you okay so um you can go to my Instagram which is being underscore Brooklyn um and it has the links and the stories and there's, I have a link for, yeah, that's where the link is. And if you want to put it up anywhere, why I'm doing the cover, I actually told my agent, no, she did it anyway, <laughs> because I still have a fear of failure. I still, I'm still working through stuff too. I, I am, I am still in shock that I stayed first for four weeks. And last time I checked was first on the fifth week. So I'm not the prettiest. I, I'm no, I'm not, I'm 40, but like I said, there's more to this and I and I hope that the universe is a part of that and know, knowing that there's more to this and also for all the beautiful women out there that think that over 40 is like the end like it I is love it. you know I love I mean? it. that's another thing I want women to feel strong and beautiful I I'm a mother of five like it, it's you can still be beautiful and strong and and you know I don't I need to work out but I used to yoga all the time but I haven't just I've been too busy I mean, I don't have a perfect body anymore. I don't look the same as I used to, but I- Beautiful, you, know. you, 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 oh my God, I could talk the whole day to you. Brooklyn, when does the book come out? Okay, so the book was due to come out. Uh, your your friend Terry over there has an autobiography coming out. So timing, and we're, we're both with the same uh, publishers. <laughs> so timing, I really wanted to come out, um, you know, early fall. Um, and certainly before Christmas, it's a great okay. gift. Got it. But um, it's looking like it's going to be closer to the new year. Okay. 
And then hardware would be probably uh, a year after that because I, we were going to do six months, but I'm, I'm I don't know. We, it's, it's ready. It's just, I mean, it's got to be a little, a little tweaks, but it's pretty much ready. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely uh, before the new year. I, my daughter got sick again and she's uh, fully blind. So I had to take four weeks off of editing and I do my, I, I prefer to do most of my own editing because it is not a biography and I don't want anybody to yeah, mess yeah. it up with yeah, like yeah, the yeah. wrong word because not everything has to be like perfectly said. I, I want people to feel like they're there and I'm talking to them, you know, so. Would yeah. you, would you also do an audiobook of you speaking? The- Absolutely. The fact that my daughter's blind, absolutely, and not just for my but, daughter. But, but you, but you do it because I come across a lot of yeah. people. I interview people; they get actors to do it. I'm like, why are you getting that actor? You do it. No, no, I'm doing it for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I do have a bit of a raspy voice, and it's not perfect, but absolutely, I want to do it. I want my daughter to hear my voice, and also, I, it's my story, and I, and I, every when I like a few um, on my Instagram, you'll see a few reels of me reading. Uh, Lovely. Chapters. Yeah, so when Johnny Depp was going through his trial, we were, we were talking because I used to dance in the Viper Room before the Pussycat Dolls was five. There was between 14 and 22 of us, depending. Um, and so, yeah, and so I, you know, I talked about that. And, and so I've read a couple of excerpts just to kind of see what Lovely. I get back. Yeah, so Brooklyn, so excited. Brooklyn, tell me about your Instagram. Uh, no, your TikTok, your TikTok. Tell me about your oh, TikTok. I've not been as active on that lately. I used to be obsessed with it. It's blowing up. I've seen it. It's got thirty-four thousand followers, Brooklyn. Yeah, You're active. It, was, it was. I. I. It was blowing up fast, and then I sort of slowed down. But again, my daughter got sick, and then this book took over. But yeah, I think that's being Brooklyn too, right? I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's being. Brooklyn. What I'll do is I'll add that's... all the descriptions or the links below on the video when it's out. Yeah, I think I pretty much branded everything being Brooklyn, except my YouTube channel is Let's Talk Raw Fam. Okay, Brooklyn, knowing where you are now, knowing about your career, you're an amazing mother, you're ambitious, you're you're going after your goals, your dreams, you're glowing, your skin is amazing, you're beautiful. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh my gosh, besides it's going to be okay, um, slow down. (laughs) And... don't be like so uh the anxiousness the yeah. um n- just slow down it's 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 gonna work out yeah I like, love it slow down, it's gonna work out you know what I mean uh, be determined but the impulsiveness like just hold on it's coming you know I love, hold it. On. I, I love it and that's what we need because some people just rush or be about money they want to take corners relax Brooklyn what is your favorite book um unfuck yourself some people mention that you're not the first one to mention it I've actually read excerpts to it. To my, I read to my children about um, self-confidence and 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 just uh, yeah. Of course, I don't read all the princess books all the time. You know, past age like three, past age like three, I really want them to hear about self-worth and and yes. you know yes. growth and stuff. So I love that uh, cheese uh, cheesecake factory is really good. I think it was I think it was written in the seventies or something. Okay. It's a really good autobiography as well. There's so many. I don't know. Uh, my daughter is an avid reader. Uh, she was like in the book club. That was like her thing. So she could tell you all the ones. Loads, so loads. And your favorite yeah. movie. What is your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. I was just asking the other day. Okay. Well, Angie's going to hate me if she hears this, but I do love anything with Brad in it because he's, he cracks me up and he is exactly the same person in real life. Brad Pitt. He is that person in real life. Um, 
So uh, I do love that. But you know what? I, I Beaches, Steel Magnolias were the ones I loved as a kid. Chorus Line, I started singing Toots and Ass in front of my mom's friends at four and not knowing what I was saying. But I, I today, what is, oh my gosh. Denzel Washington did a movie and it just like totally went out of my mind. And he was like, he... He basically was just crushing people that were just bad. And like, what was it called? I can't think of it right now. It's out of my mind, but anybody listening would know um, he did like two of them in a row. It was the sequel. And it reminds, it's what I wanted to be. It's like when someone's bad or hurting people uh-huh. mm-hmm. after them, I cannot, I don't know why I can't think of the name of it. It's going to drive me nuts. But um, yeah, it's a Denzel Washington. He did, he did one and two. I love that. And of course, I love Pirates of the Caribbean because I just think Johnny's hysterical. And um, I think it's one of some of his best work. Brooklyn, you are absolutely amazing. You have so much light. And I just wanted to thank you for being on Gentle Touch. You are doing so, so good. Your story is amazing. And I can't wait for, for all your projects to come to life, for you to launch your book, for you to win the contest, for you to fly out to Paris. If you fly out to Paris, let me know, because I'm in London. We're, we're, we're two hours yes. away. Yes, and yes, that would be so great. You're just a channel away. We, we, we didn't even have any time. I had so much to talk about. I want to talk about you yeah, learning I mean, Braille. Yeah, maybe I can come on again. That would be great. And yeah, and we do everything. Um, But keep doing you. You are doing amazing. You should be so proud of yourself for your journey, for finding your voice, self-love, self-worth. And it had to be you. It had to be you to step out of your comfort zone for you to do it because no one else is doing it. For other people. And I know that's what you want because I mean, gentle touch. Hello. You know, so that's why I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the perfect name for a podcast. This is where I need to be. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's what we got. Yeah. That's what we need. That's what the world needs. I mean, the world has so much, as you know, but one thing it doesn't have is connect is enough connection.